Hello, and welcome to First Baptist Church. Today, as we step into the message, we are continuing to ask God to help us pray. And today, in your notes, at the very bottom of your notes, you're going to notice that we have seven points. I promise we'll be done by three today. I'm joking. I have a clock right there that tells me when to stop. But I want us to begin asking the question, how do I pray? Anticipating the answer from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ through his very words that are written in red, if you have a red letter edition Bible. But I want us to begin our service, our message today, the same way that we end our Celebrate Recovery meeting every single Tuesday night. By answering a question in the way that Jesus taught us to answer that question. Jesus was approached by his disciples and they asked him, to teach them to pray. And today, we, his disciples, come to Jesus saying, teach us to pray. Well, let's begin by praying that prayer that our Lord Jesus taught us to pray, and in so doing, let's answer together the question, whose Father? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I want to invite you to open your Bible to Matthew chapter 6. We are going to the Sermon on the Mount. And we're going to ask our Lord Jesus to teach us to pray. How do I talk to God? Now, I have to tell you that I've had an interesting journey with this. It started when I was a little kid, and my parents and Sunday school teachers modeled for me how to talk to God. And it was very, very straightforward. In fact, I approached God with great confidence when I was a little kid. And I approached God with complete genuineness. I, I kind of pictured God as a grandfather. And I had a grandfather that I really, really loved. You know, he was rough and gruff and a man's man, but, but when his little grandson got around him, all that roughness and gruffness melted. You know, have you ever seen that happen? And so I approached God kind of the same way that I approached Pop. I knew that Pop loved me. I knew that Pop would listen to me. And I saw the same thing in Almighty God. Well, then as I grew, um, I began to second guess my praying ability. And, and quite frankly, it was because I was paying a little bit more attention to the people around me who were praying. And, and listen, this is not in any way to be meant to be offensive to anybody, but different people pray differently. And some people who were kind of pillars in the church that I grew up in or, or pillars in churches that I would visit prayed a whole lot more formally than I did. With the exception of the Lord's Prayer, I didn't use any of the King James English when I prayed. I just kind of talked to God. And so I thought, wait a minute, am I, am I doing this wrong? And the truth is, if, if God has called you to pray in that way, keep doing it. Because here's the, here's the fundamental issue of prayer. God wants your heart. Your word choice matters, but it matters far less than the condition of your heart. When we come to God, we come to God bringing ourselves to Him. And remember, God is not fooled by any facade we might wear. 
He sees through it. The Bible says that Jesus knows what is in our hearts. So when we come to him, we come to him humbly and genuinely. The Bible says we can come to him through Jesus Christ confidently because there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. But we come to him. And so I don't know, maybe you have struggled in your prayer life. And maybe you feel like, I'm just, I can't say the right words. I can't have the right posture. I can't, I, can't, I can't speak as eloquently as some of those leaders and teachers that I've had over the years, so, so God must not appreciate my prayers. Well, let me just go ahead and tell you, that's not true. That's a lie of the enemy. You know, the enemy wants to steal and kill, kill and destroy in your life. And he knows the greatest way that he can steal and kill and destroy in your life is making you feel like God wants nothing to do with you. No, all of us are able to come to God because he has made the way. Jesus Christ, our Savior, his only begotten Son, who opens his arms and says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Now, Jesus is the only way we can rightly come to God. So we come to the Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ the Son. But when we do, We can go with the confidence that knowing even if we stumble over every word we say, even if we can't get words out. Have you ever been there? That you have to rely on God to listen to the groanings of your heart that are too deep for words. Have you ever been to that place? Well, if you haven't, you will. And here's the good news. Our God hears those groanings as well. So, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is preaching the most famous sermon the world has ever known. It is the Sermon on the Mount. He is set down on the side of the mountain. His disciples have come to him. They are listening to him, and he is teaching them. But here's the theme that I want us to get today. I get to talk to God. I get to talk to God. God, through Jesus, has beckoned us to come to him. We get to talk to God, and Jesus is going to show us how today. So I want to read this entire passage, Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 15, and then we're going to walk through and pick up some pointers from our Lord. Matthew records these events as he's carried along by the Holy Spirit, saying this, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. In the context of knowing that we get to talk to God, asking the question, how do I talk to God, let's let Jesus instruct us. So the first point comes from verse 
5A, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. Our first point, I talk to God honestly. I talk to God honestly. Jesus is here uh, making several points about living out the faith. He talks about praying, he talks about giving, he talks about fasting, and he talks a lot about hypocrites. He says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. And that's the important clause in that sentence. Of course, we practice our righteousness in front of people by living out the faith, but we do not do so in order to be seen by them. We're not seeking our glory. We're seeking God's glory. So yes, there will be moments of quietness, private moments between me and God when I'm in my prayer closet, wherever that may be. For me, it's often a Ford F-150. For me, it's, it's often a room in my house or my office and study here at the church. It's, it's, it's a place for me to be alone with the Lord, and that's just me and God. But if I'm going to live out my faith, then I have to practice my righteousness before other people in some instances. And I have to do it not in order to be seen by them. Like even, even right now, I'm practicing my righteousness. I'm, I'm living out my faith. Part of what God's called me to do is preach. But listen, I, I'm not here because I want accolades of any sort. I'm here because this is what God called me to do. So our goal is not for anybody to look at me, it's for everybody to look at Jesus. That's why our choir works so hard every single week to lead us in worship. They're not here so that people would look at them and say, oh, you were wonderful. No, no, no. We, we all want everybody to look at Jesus. That's the point. So beware of practicing your righteousness before others in order to be seen by them. That if, if your goal is your glory and any glory you get is your reward in full. No, our goal has to be God's glory. He says, Jesus says, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. And he talks about the hypocrites. What is a hypocrite? In the Greek, it's hypocrite, and it's a stage actor. It's a performer under a mask. It's someone who plays a part on a stage. That's not who they really are, but they sell the part they're playing. It's the facade that sometimes we can all be guilty of putting on, particularly when we come to church. And how many of you have the church version of you? <laughs> Life can be falling apart, but you walk into church and everything's great. How are you? Oh, brother, I'm too stressed. Blessed to be stressed. Everything's great. It's not great. We live in a fallen world. It's hardly ever great. Now we have great moments like incredible weddings or um, incredible graduations and celebrations. And we have great moments, but life is not always great. In fact, sometimes it's really, 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 really hard. So our Lord wants us to come to him, not as the hypocrites, because here's the thing, he sees it all anyway. In Psalm 139, verses one through four, the psalmist says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. So the first thing that Jesus teaches us to do is to not be a hypocrite when we come to God. Just take off the mask. Lay aside the facade. God sees through it anyway. You're just wasting his time and yours. Just come to him honestly, humbly. If you're mad, 
be mad, but respectful. If you're sad, be sad. If you're happy, be happy. Come to him honestly. Bring your true self to him because that's ultimately what God wants. He wants us, not our performance, not our mask, not what we can can show the world about us. He's really not that interested in our LinkedIn account. He wants us. So we come to him honestly. Don't be like the hypocrites, Jesus said. And then he continued. He said, for they love, the hypocrites love, to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Our second point, I talk to God humbly. I talk to God humbly. The Pharisees and the Sadducees of Jesus' day liked the accolades they got from others. Oh, you are so religious. Oh, you are so close to God. I could never be as good as you. And they relished that. Far be it from us to ever be like the Pharisees and the Sadducees, that we would practice our righteousness before others to be seen by them. That's all the reward they get. If you're doing it for likes on Facebook, then I hope you enjoy them because that's all you get. For hearts on Instagram, that's all you get. But if you're doing it to be in communion with Almighty God, then you get so much more. Ian Bounds, who was a chaplain during the Civil War, in his book, The Essentials of Prayer, says this about our approach to God. I'm going to read. It's two paragraphs long, but this, this all speaks. That which brings the praying soul near to God is humility of heart. That which gives wings to prayer is lowliness of mind. That which gives ready access to the throne of grace is self-depreciation. Pride, self-esteem, and self-praise effectively shut the door of prayer. Those who would come to God must approach him with self hidden from their eyes. They must not be puffed up with self-conceit or be possessed with an overestimate of their virtues and good works. Humility is a rare Christian grace of great price in the courts of heaven entering into and being an inseparable condition of effective praying. It gives access to God when other qualities fail. It takes many descriptions to describe it and many definitions to define it. It is a rare and rest, a retiring grace. Its full portrait is found only in Jesus Christ. Our prayers, listen to this, must be set low before they can ever rise high. Our prayers must have much of the dust of humility on them before they can ever have much of the glory of heaven in them. So you remember Jesus told the parable of the Pharisee and the publican, the tax collector. The Pharisee went in to pray and he began to extol his own virtues before God. God, I thank you that I'm not like the others. All the good things I do for you, I give, I serve, I work for you. Thank you that I'm not like the others. But then you remember Jesus talked about the tax collector who could not even lift his eyes toward heaven, but his face was downcast and he beat his breast saying, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus asked a very simple question. Which one went down from prayer having been transformed that day? Boy, it's easy. It's easy to look around and say, I'm glad I'm not like the others. I vote the right way. 
I'm glad I'm not like one of those members of the other party because the other party, they're just wrong. Thank you, Lord, that I'm not like them. Or thank you, Lord, that I'm not like one of those members of the other denomination because, well, they do things different and they're just wrong. Or thank you, Lord, that I'm not like my neighbor over there because I keep my grass looking good and I kill the dandelions. Thank you, Lord, that I'm so much better than them. Can I help you? That prayer turns God's stomach. You just need to know that. You know who else needs to know that? I need to know that. Because we are all tempted to slip into self-righteousness. And I'm going to tell you something. Ian Bounds said it in the mid-1800s. When we come to God with pridefulness, well, the Bible straightforwardly says in James 4.10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Elsewhere, the Bible straightforwardly says God opposes the proud. So if you and I want to set God in opposition to us, all we have to do is come to him with pride. That causes God to oppose us. So we come to him humbly. In verses 7 and 8, Jesus continues, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Third point, I talk to God meaningfully. God is not interested in my rote repetition. God is not interested, you know, if you were in school and had to memorize the Gettysburg Address and you want to just say that over and over to God, Again, that's not what he's looking for. He's not impressed by your religious performance. Maybe you know you remember the, the old movies, the old movies back when they had things called chalkboards. Chalkboards were these green things that you wrote on with this little white sticks called chalk and it would get all over you, right? Now we have dry erase markers and now we have not even dry erase markers, we have electronic things that write on electronic boards until somebody gets a hold of a marker and ruins the multi-thousand dollars. Anyway, so, <clears throat> but do you remember seeing in the movies, I will not talk in class, I will not talk in I will not, I will not, I will, right? And then afterwards you had to bang the erasers together and you had paid your penance for talking in class. That's not our relationship with God. Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. So I don't just vainly repeat things over and over to feel like I'm paying God back for my sin. That's not how it works. I come to him meaningfully. Jesus straightforwardly said, don't just heap up phrases. Don't be proud of yourself because you can say the thing over and over and over again or or you make the right time every single time. No, just come honestly, meaningfully, genuinely, and speak your heart to God. And then we get into what we know as the Lord's Prayer. Jesus said, beginning in verse 9, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Fourth point, I talk to God respectfully. I talk to God respectfully. Our Father, J.I. Packer in his knowing God, said Father is the Christian name for God. And he further said, as Jesus always prayed to God as Father, Abba in Aramaic, an intimate family word, so must his followers do. Jesus could say to his Father, you always hear me. 
And he wants his disciples to know that. As God's adopted children, the same is true of them. The Father is always accessible to his children and is never too preoccupied to listen to what they have to say. This is the basis of Christian prayer. So I come to my heavenly Father through Jesus Christ my Lord, by whose grace I am adopted into the family of God, a complete and full heir, no asterisk by my name. I come to God as my Father, but I also hallow his name. What does that mean, hallowed? Well, in the original language, it's hagiadzo, which means holy. Your name is holy. Your name is set apart. Your name is consecrated. Your name is other. In other words, I come to you respectfully because you're God and I'm not. And I recognize that though you have allowed me to come to you as Father, I still honor you and respect you for you are God. I come with reverence to your holy name because your character cannot be divorced from your name, nor can your name be divorced from your character, O God. So, Father, your name is holy. I honor you and respect you. Verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Point five, I talk to God submissively submissively. James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves therefore to God. I talk to God submissively. What does that mean? I'm not seeking my will. I'm seeking his will. I'm not seeking my glory. I'm seeking his glory. I'm not seeking the establishment of my kingdom. I'm, I'm asking that his kingdom would come. Michael Wilkins, uh, who teaches at the Talbot School of Theology, says the presence of God's kingdom in this age refers to the reign of Christ in the hearts and lives of believers and to the reigning presence of Christ in his body, the church, so that they increasingly reflect his love, obey his laws, honor him, do good for all people, and proclaim the good news of the kingdom. We're not here to build our own kingdoms. We're here to build his kingdom such that such that when we come to God, we recognize that it's not about me. It's about you. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. That's a difficult prayer to pray sometimes because remember, God always works for our best, not always what we like in the moment. I'm looking around at a bunch of physicians and healthcare providers in this room, and you know what sometimes they do? They do things that are better for us in the long run and may not be very pleasant in the moment. I'm looking around at a bunch of parents. You know what parents do, at least good ones? They do things for their children that are maybe not as pleasant in the moment but are better in the long run. Well, guess what God's looking at? He's looking at an eternal perspective that we can't possibly wrap our minds around. We cannot possibly fathom what God is able to see. So to pray that his will be done is our submission to him as God that we are not. And maybe, just maybe, we don't have it all figured out just yet. And he does. So when we pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we know that God's will is done in heaven. We want that to invade earth. And God's kingdom right now is is what's going on in the hearts and minds and lives of believers, and we are seeking to bring that into our community. That's why every Sunday when we leave this place, we leave commissioned by God as missionaries to go show forth the love and life of Jesus to a world that has no idea they even need it. They just know they're yearning for something. It's about His kingdom, His glory, His will. Verse 11. 
Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Point number six, I talk to God dependently, dependently. James, we learn that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. And Paul challenges us in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, asking this, what do you have that you did not receive? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Our, our needs are unlimited, and we bring them to God. He's glorified when we bring our needs to Him. Don't try to figure it out on your own. No, God loves to meet our needs. Every good and perfect gift comes from Him. So we bring our needs to Him. We bring everything to Him. We come to Him dependently, for we are utterly dependent upon Him. And then, verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Our seventh and final point, I talk to God compliantly. Compliantly. What does that mean? It means my attitude toward God must be, Lord, wherever you lead, I'll go. Whatever you want, I'll do. I'm in. I trust you, and I will follow you. And particularly what Jesus is talking about in terms of forgiveness here is not salvation. It is, it is restoration of the relationship with God that is, that is distanced by our sin. So if we've been forgiven much, we ought also to what? Forgive. For that illustrates the character of Almighty God dwelling through His Spirit within the hearts and lives of believers. We can't be like the, the one who had been forgiven so much and yet chose not to forgive those who had offended him. So, how do I pray? Well, honestly, humbly, meaningfully, respectfully, submissively, dependently, compliantly. You know, the Lord's Prayer is given not as the prescribed prayer that we should always pray, but as a model. A model. That we should come to the Lord honestly, humbly, respectfully, meaningfully, submissively, compliantly, wanting His will to be done, and not our own. Wanting us to trust Him and follow Him in every sphere of our life because He is God and we are not. So maybe, just maybe, you're struggling, thinking, oh, I can't pray like so-and-so. Well, God doesn't want you to pray like so-and-so. God wants you to pray like you. Because he's not interested in your words, he's interested in your heart. So bring your heart to him through prayer. Trust him, follow him. And already decide before you even ask the question or God even leads you in a certain way. I'm in, Lord. Whatever you want, I'll do. Wherever you lead, I'll go. Have your way in me. For you are my good, good Father. And so let us end this message the way we began, by answering the question together in prayer. Whose Father? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.